Asshole Court is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. There is an undeniable allure and advantage to being a celebrity in modern society. The money, the preferential treatment, the ability to have a platform to reach millions of people, often leveraged to make more money. And the links that people go to achieve celebrity status never ceases to amaze me. Today's show subject is a prime example of this. I'm talking about the ever-controversial rapper Takashi69, a fever dream of a human being. Yes, he looks like Lil Wayne and Lisa Frank had a love child, and a crack baby at that, but that crazy-ass rainbow hair, absurd clothing, and the grill that looks like that dumbass in kindergarten that ate his crayons for a snack are most definitely by design. His fame was at least partially derived from looking so insane, being an obnoxious personality, and intentionally offending. The playbook is pretty well known at this point, but it still works like magic. Does utilizing this playbook make Takashi 69 an asshole? Does looking like a spring fling pinata make you a bad person? Or is it possible that Takashi is just a master marketer who figured out how to best manipulate the masses into purchasing anything he stamped his brand onto? Tune in for the next hour or so as we delve into the story of this human dildo and debate his general horribleness. This is Takashi 69 episode. This is Asshole Court. Alright guys, so uh, let's do some preliminary scores. Who wants to go first? Alright, I'll go first. So, as you guys may have picked up by now, I don't like it, but as I get older, I'm getting more of a uh, get-off-my-lawn mentality mm-hmm. with my age. Yeah, and, it's kind of hard, but I think I'm also getting the same thing. Yeah, so. And it doesn't, I don't think, ring true to my real personality, because I am very open-minded. I don't have problems with many people, but this fucking guy just mm-hmm. gets under my skin. Mm-hmm. Just look at him, The man. look of him, man. The face tattoos, the fucking crazy hair. Like you kind of alluded to in the intro, it seems like it's all just a very intentional show to garner attention, get people to buy his shit, and it sucks that it seems to be working. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, that's that just kind of burns me up. Uh, that's the downfall of society right there. Right, you know right. What I mean? And what I know about him, everybody, or I mean, most people know he, you know, obviously was headed to prison for a long time and then wound up getting out in about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not for, even that much time, I think. Yeah, for snitching on uh, all of his fellow uh, everybody gang members, I guess mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. So, yeah, people aren't too pleased with him. He's pretty much been blackballed from what I gather in the music industry. Off the rip, this guy's at a 6.25 for me. Okay. All right. 6.25 from Randy. Now, for me, he's a master marketer. He knows social media and he knows his age group. I don't think that there's a lot of 
people our age that are listening to him going, wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. His music's garbage. Yeah. Well, I mean, he even says it over time. He's like, look, I make trash music, but great videos. And I think that that's something that we're going to see throughout the episode is that like he knows how to manipulate social media. And I wonder if a lot of his likes and followers actually even listen to his music or are just more entertained by what they see. It's like following the uh, the fucking train wreck you went to high school with just yeah. to see what the hell they're going to post next. And you're like, yeah, ooh, exactly. can't believe they posted that shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but hey, well, I wonder what's going to happen next. Yeah, stay you know? tuned. Well, yeah. they got music to fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm just getting old, but I mean, it, it sounds like trash music to me, man. I listened to a bunch of his stuff this week and um, I just wasn't impressed, but I got to assume... I mean, is that what our parents were also saying about the hip hop that we were listening to back yeah. in the day? Yeah. Well, I don't know, if like on an individual level, no, but it is a generational thing that occurs where your oh, yeah. parents think that your music sucks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I try to keep that in mind. But this music really does suck. You know, I have I didn't watch any of the videos, so I might change my mind based on that. You won't. Uh, not on the actual oh. music, but you know, <laughs> is it entertaining? Who knows? But yeah, so for him. I'm interested to see how this episode unfolds because I don't, of course, you see all the memes with them. God, some of the memes are fucking hilarious. Mm. I don't like Lilo and Snitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's a fucking living, breathing, walking meme. Yeah, himself. he is. He's a fucking like Skittles commercial walking around, you know, taste the rainbow. You know, we grew up, snitches get stitches and uh, he snitched on everybody. And I know that he has to travel around with personal security guards all the time now. So, I don't know. I'm interested to see how this episode unfolds, but right off the rip, I'm going to give Takashi 69 uh, a 6.9. All right. No, oh, there you go. There we go. All right. <laughs> nice. Makes sense. And I wish I could I, change my answer now. I know. I, I know, right? <laughs> so, I uh, actually, I do listen to newer hip-hop if it's good, but I usually have a pretty good nose for sniffing out gimmicks. And so, in all fairness, I never listened to any of this guy's shit because the minute I saw him, I was like, no one gives a fuck about this guy. Now, if his music was backing that up, I would have caught wind of it one way or another, probably just in reading different publications on hip hop music or whatever, and would have given it a shot. But I knew from the get go, just seeing this, I was like, this guy is just scoring points as a fucking freak show. And there you go. I don't hate new music or anything like that, but you know, I don't, I, I do hate gimmicks and I do hate like marketing. So I wasn't a fan of this guy uh, immediately. Plus, I have a real thing where I have a hard time liking people based on their face. Then Toby, you're going to have an issue with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Toby Maguire's face bothers me. So can you imagine what Takashi 6 ix face <laughs> does? And on top of that, like while I was having to do the research on this, it was very difficult for me to do in the sense that I had to continuously see this motherfucker's face. Yeah. Yep. So I... um. I, you know, I'm going to start off with, I, I was going to say a seven, but Buddy came through with the 6.9 <laughs> and it makes perfect sense. So I will also drop a 6.9. All right. You guys suck. I wish I had done that too. <laughs> hey. Are you going to change yours to a 6.9? No, no. I'll stick with my original. All right. Well, with a 6.25 from Randy, a 6.9 from Mikey, and a 6.9 from Buddy, Takashi 6.9's pre-show asshole score is a 6.68. Okay. All right. All right. Well, hang on. Does it round up? As it rounds down. Ah. All, All right. right. You guys ready? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do this thing, man. Takashi69, which, believe it or not, is not his real name. No shit. Get out of here. Was born Daniel Hernandez on May 8th, 1996, in Bushwick, Brooklyn, to Natividad Perez Hernandez and also 
Daniel Hernandez. Ah. Feliz Natividad. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was trying to work in some sort of Feliz Navidad joke. Yeah. Yeah. Natividad uh, was from Ad- Adlico. Ad- I can't pronounce this. Mexico. Those X's are real hard in the Mexican language. Mexican language. And uh, it's, it's Spanish. It's Spanish. But actually, those those town names are from like Aztec languages. Like Oaxaca looks like Oaxaco. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? So I don't know how to pronounce this properly. I remember going to a Mexican restaurant and I was like, I'll have the Oaxaco special. And they were like, what again? What are you saying? Oh, Oaxaca. I was like, that doesn't look like that at all. Or what's the snake that eats itself? Uh, Ouroboros. But yeah. I don't think that's as, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. So I it worked the other day. I asked this guy who speaks French in my office. I said, what does touche mean? He was like, to touch. I was like, oh, he's like, look at the word. I was like, I get it now. Yeah, asshole. Like, well, how did we get what we think touche is? He's like, I don't know. I heard somebody once I got to America, I heard somebody say that. And I was like, the hell are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. Touche. Touche. Yeah. To touch. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to be an asshole about it, though. I was just asking you, man. I'm not <laughs> French, by the way. <laughs> But you're really living up to the stereotype, yeah, asshole. Right? He, he's Haitian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Haitian asshole. <laughs> I don't know what a Haitian asshole would look like. Dark. <laughs> All right. But anyways, she was born in that town in Mexico originally. And Daniel, his dad, was from Rio Piedras, Puerto Rico. His mother had come to the U.S. to seek a better life in 1988. And shortly after her arrival, she became a resident heart surgeon in New York Presbyterian Hospital. Oh, wow. I'm totally kidding. I was about to she, say, come she again? with Dr. Oz? She, yeah. she worked in a factory and as a house cleaner. <laughs> Pretty standard stuff for new immigrants, to yeah. be honest. And uh, Daniel Sr. looked to seek a better life in 1906, apparently, after a little Takashi was born because he dipped out and was not really a part of his li- a son's life at all. Interesting. Standard stuff for a lot of dads around this time, to be honest. In fact, Takashi would not see his, I should say, Daniel. So let me go ahead and stop here and say you're going to hear Takashi, you're going to hear Daniel, uh, Hernandez, stuff yeah. like that. But I mostly will try to keep it between Takashi and Daniel. So if it's his dad, I'll say Daniel Sr. Or Dan Kashi. Dan Kashi. It's like a <laughs> Takashi Sr. It's like a, a nice cereal. Oh, it's Dan Kashi. <laughs> It sounds very granola. Uh, But yeah, like I said, Takashi would not see his father again until he was nine. And that interaction was apparently very short and awkward. A lot like a Hispanic version of that infamous Fresh Prince episode where Will meets his real dad. Probably like, por que no me lo quiero? (laughs) Why doesn't he love me, man? (laughs) During his father's absence, Takashi's mother had taken to telling him that he was dead. But the truth was that Daniel Sr. was allegedly an erratic heroin addict who also did five years in prisons for a fairly hefty drug charge. I heard that while Daniel Sr. was in jail, one of his cellmates or something like that, he sent a note with him to go give to his family. And the guy went to go take it to his family. And according to Daniel Sr. in interviews that happened later on, the guy moved right on in. He like started hooking up with the wife and then became Takashi's stepdad. Interesting. Okay, that's huh. going to play a part in here for real. I would have rewritten the note just to kind of fuck with them all a little bit. Yeah, Maybe he did. He was like, hey. He said uh, that, uh, you know, he wants the best for you and for your son, and that it, uh, involves you sucking my dick. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and staying with me. Yeah. I will take care of your rainbow-colored hair, son. I will take son. care of you and your family as long as you slurp my cock. My cousin is a hairstylist. <laughs> Yeah, but apparently, like uh, Natividad, apparently 
she kicked out Daniel Sr. when she discovered that he had been doing heroin in front of and around the children. Yeah, that makes sense. But luckily for little Daniel, as Buddy just alluded to, Natividad met another man who became his stepfather. I didn't know about that. So that's Daniel Sr. cellmate. Yes. And was a now we have to I don't know if this is how true all this is. So we'll have to if anybody knows different or whatever. Maybe we'll we'll get an answer on this, but if that's what happened, holy shit! Right, um, he said it in an interview on. Like, oh, okay. that's what Daniel Senior says. He's also a heroin addict, so yeah. yeah. This interview came outside of a homeless shelter that okay. Daniel Senior was staying in. So yeah, I mean, as far as like his credibility as a witness, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, she met another man who could be uh, Daniel Senior's former cellmate. This man was apparently a great influence on Daniel Junior at the time. Which is good because Bushwick at that time, especially, was not a great neighborhood. Wasn't it on the fringes of like Bed Stuy? It's in that area. It's also near like sort of Park Slope and stuff like that. But yeah. Brooklyn was a fucking was a bad spot in, in the '90s for sure. Especially oh, yeah. the '80s, '90s. Now it's you know obviously hipster. Yeah, yeah. It's very very different now than what it was um, back then. Uh, little Daniel played both baseball and soccer and apparently was good enough to be assigned to a feeder team for a pro soccer league at 13 although his mother didn't want him to be away from home and therefore declined i don't know how true that is the veracity of that could be questioned i don't know yeah i did see pictures of him as a kid playing soccer and he was like a keeper for some mm-hmm. team or something like that this doesn't mean he's good enough to potentially go pro but who knows he was also heavily involved in the church he would sing during mass and was often called up to read from the bible to the congregation, and his favorite passage was Psalms 121, which includes the lines, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. As long as you snitch on all the other motherfuckers. Now, a little armchair psychology from a person with absolutely no business doing so. Go ahead, Mike. (laughs) Maybe little Takashi found some comfort in the idea of God as the father figure he never had. Uh, Just saying. Maybe. We've talked about religion before. It's... Mm -hmm. The crutch for whatever you want to believe in. Mm-hmm. Well, that specific passage is also a lot about having like a protector that's sort of like a father figure. So it's interesting that that is his favorite, favorite passage line. to read. And sure, that might be a stretch because remember that little Daniel now had a great male figure in his life. He couldn't be that desperate for a father figure if he already had one, right? And maybe that's true, but I feel like everybody will have some level of interest in understanding who their biological father was and a potential feeling of abandonment if they couldn't find them or know what happened to them. So uh, there is some effect there, I imagine. Yeah, you know I mean? of course. So you always want to know where you came from and yeah. why did that person dip? Right, know? exactly. You, have, you know nothing about this person. Often blame yourself for stuff like that. You have sure. no kids. control over your kid, but you see that a lot of people blame themselves for the downfalls of their own family. Yeah, you know? of course. Certainly. Well, when that person isn't there to defend that action, you know, you blame it on yourself. You yeah, know, so. yeah. I mean, there's a psychological effect no matter where you're at. I mean, I ran down who my great-grandfather was with my namesake just because I was like, where did all this come from? And that's like four generations back. So imagine not knowing who your dad is or even anything about him. Right. Just yeah. Being told that he's like dead. Of course. Nobody can tell you where he's at. So anyways, even if his biological father's mysterious disappearance or absence rather didn't have any effect on him, it doesn't ultimately matter because in 2010, Daniel's stepfather was gunned down on the stoop of their family home on Locust street. And little Daniel was just 13 at the time. And he saw it all. Yeah, that's tough, dude. <clears throat> yeah. And also, like, you said that happened outside of his house. Mm-hmm. Every time you leave the house, you have to, like, cross over that path. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a... I wonder what happened. Like, Yeah, they don't... That's the thing. I'll, I'll get that here in a minute, but it's it's a strange thing for sure. 
but very rarely do we get to see such a hard line drawn in a person's personality. But this is one of those times, a singular event that changes the entire trajectory of a person's life in such an obvious way. It shouldn't be surprising at all that Daniel took the murder of his stepfather very hard. By all accounts, I could find they had had a very good relationship and he had effectively become Daniel's father in every way but genetics. So his unexpected death would be tragic no matter what, but to see it happen violently right before your eyes at such a pivotal age, that's pretty brutal, man. Yeah, dude, 13, that's a rough a swing age. age. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Like yep. that's you either start, you know, really excelling in school or really, you know, putting your foot forward into the work environment mm-hmm. or yeah, you can go run with the bad boys at that point. That's true. Now, side note, I spent a good 10 minutes trying to find the name of his stepfather. I say good 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> I sought it out far and wide. I didn't have a whole lot of time, so I was just like, I got to figure out what this guy's name is. So I, I can... threw my Google net way yeah. deep. <laughs> no, I, I looked through a lot, and I could not find what his stepfather's name was. It was Takashi138. <laughs> nice and math. And Daniel was half the man he was. Nice math. Love that. Nice. And it was honestly a little annoying that I couldn't find out whose name is because it's like such a, a pivotal moment in his in I his couldn't life. find Cardi B's dad's name, I think yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. I don't recall it in the special that I watched about him either on Hulu. But this, uh, yeah, this guy got murdered. You know, like, it should be able to find this stuff. And they said that even at the time, it didn't even make the papers. Because so much crime is well, going on in that true, area, but, you know, who I cares mean, about one random, you know, what, what the Brooklyn Times going to put that out or something not, like I that? I mean, if, if he's so important to you, why not ever just say his name and be like, surprised it's not tattooed on his face. His right. name, yeah. his his name, name was 69. Is Robert, <laughs> his name is Robert, Robert Paulson. Paulson. <laughs> his name is Steve 69. <laughs> uh, but anyways, following the murder, Daniel fell into a very deep depression, refusing to eat or shower. Ew. Oh, yeah, yeah. No showering. <laughs> yeah, stuff. Especially when you're like 13, 14, you stink. Oh, yeah, it just in general, you kind of smell yeah, puberties. Yeah. His face looks like a raging. pizza. Yeah, yeah. zits are the pepperonis for real, just bubbling up. Yikes. Uh, he went into therapy where he was treated and ultimately hospitalized for depression and post traumatic stress disorder. Which I'm, not I'm too surprising. Not surprising at all. In a 2017 interview, Takashi explained, "Quote." I felt like my pops was a superhero. I felt like my pops was invincible. So when they took my pops from me, I felt naked. That made me a rebel. That made me angry. Adding later in the interview, he said, I don't want to be a superhero. I want to be a villain. Villains never die. I'm a villain. Fuck superheroes. I'm not trying to save nothing. Yeah, that's kind of like his, uh, just his whole childhood is destroyed right there in that moment mm-hmm. right there. I mean, does he watch any movies, though? The villain usually dies at the end. Yeah. That's true. They die all the time. Yeah, unless yeah. you're trying to do a sequel after, but... I don't think he's a genius, but I think it's more of an emotional, <laughs> more of an emotional response. Yeah, worse still, the death of his stepfather put a hole in the family financially. According to Daniel's brother, they were forced to wear used clothes and share a bed. Fuck, used clothes? Shit, that's an intentional move sometimes nowadays, right? People yeah, always man. trying to catch that vintage look. Shit, split a studio apartment, share a bed. Yeah, that's, man, go to Goodwill and pick up some stuff. So. Right. I mean, well, uh, it's true. I, I'm not going to lie. I've copped some real tight shit from Goodwill and some other vintage stores before. Living that hipster life. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, you know, if he could have gone back to, you know, early 2000s and lived in like Williamsburg, maybe he would be cooled then and uh, be offering us artisanal pickles <laughs> instead of fucking <laughs> shitty rap music. Didn't happen, though. Uh, he lived in the hood, and uh, it was definitely not cool. Shared a bed with a stank-ass brother. Yeah, definitely not cool to be sharing a bed with your brother in Bed-Stuy or fucking uh, Bushwick. Yeah. yeah. 
sweaty McSweatpants. And you don't shower. I bet it was yeah. a bummer for his oh, brother. brother yeah. God damn it. Uh, Wash your ass. God, I can smell your butt from over here. It's nasty. Wash your ass, Danny. God, butt smell, man. I remember playing soccer and one guy like bent down to tie his shoes. And I was like, God, I can smell your butt from here. I know that. Ah, oh, it's so bad. God, it's like pig pen running around. Yeah. Like just, just playing soccer and, and not showering. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Man. But so perhaps unsurprisingly, following his stepfather's murder, uh, Daniel began acting out to the point that he was expelled from school in the eighth grade. Now, here there is some discrepancy in the timeline with some sources saying that he exited school permanently in eighth grade and some, including Takashi himself, saying 10th grade. But whatever, it's the same result. Dude under, didn't finish school. Well, under oath, he said that he quit high school around 10th grade. Right, right, yeah. yeah. So, but I, mean, I still, tend to think 10th grade, but like I said, results the same. You didn't finish school. And, and I mean, was I, he actually doing the work or was he just there? We had a buddy yeah. that quit right when he turned 16 and he redshirted his ninth grade year. Had to do it twice, and the second go round he lasted a couple oh, weeks, and couple, I was like, yeah, "Fuck it, he I'm was out, like, I'm done." Yep. Ninth grade usually was the game changer because they'll push you through all the way to high school, and then ninth grade was where everybody got fed to the wolves. I can think of at least six or seven people off the top of my head that we hung out with growing up that did not finish ninth grade. Yeah, and the so, one guy I referenced wound up in prison for a little while. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. probably will again. Probabilistic. To be honest, like, you know, I mean, Biggie was talking about people thought he was a fool because he dropped out of high school. They are statistically correct. Yes. (laughs) Anyways, instead of going back to school or trying to finish school, he opted to take menial jobs to help earn money for the family. Because remember, Natividad wasn't making shit. Now his stepdad was dead. So he had to sort of like help them pay rent. That one bedroom apartment wasn't going to pay for itself. Not in fucking Brooklyn even then. So he took jobs as a busboy, a delivery boy for a grocery store. And it's also at this time that perhaps due to the embarrassment of wearing hand-me-down clothes, that Daniel starts designing his own outfits to wear, sort of developing his own style, (laughs) which is a little strange because he started stenciling t-shirts with HIV on the back and he started going with his then-girlfriend to her salon and dyeing his hair in various colors. In fact, this is a true story. I didn't realize this until I was doing research on this. The first time I ever saw Takashi 69 was on a Reddit post back in like 2015 where he was mostly tattooless. Okay. Didn't have the rainbow hair. And he wore an outfit that was like, it was like a long t-shirt that on the front said pussy. Yeah. And on the back said the N-word and had 69 on the back. And then on the legs said fuck. So, or it was like, no, the back said eater. And then the legs said said the N-word. So, and I remember everybody was like, yo, this dude, obviously he's not a black dude. Be very fucking careful in Bushwick, Brooklyn, yeah. rocking this shit. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. Um, His girlfriend, uh, I forget what her name is, his baby mama, she said that he would do this stuff just to try and get attention. You know, he was hanging out with like a lot of kids and stuff like that, but he was trying to get some kind of attention. So he would wear these just very outlandish yeah. outfits. And people would be like, oh, holy shit, does your hat say HIV? Does your shirt say pussy eater? Like, (laughs) here, let me get a picture with you. Yeah. And she was like, then I kind of had to awkwardly stand there and take the picture. He was just, even from a young age, was trying to get that attention. That's actually amazing that you just brought that up because I was about to say, I was like, I mean, again, I am not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. But this stuff is pretty standard attention-seeking behavior. And I found an interesting article on excessive attention-seeking in psychology today. Quote, Excessive attention-seeking is not a character flaw. It is a brain-wiring response to early developmental trauma caused by neglect. 
The developing brain observes its environment and wires itself accordingly to survive in that world that it presumes will like those experiences. The more their needs are neglected during their early development, the more the child equates getting attention with survival and safety. In turn, the more he or she develops the belief system that it is necessary to go to whatever lengths to get attention. And interestingly enough, there's also a pretty strong correlation between attention seeking and what the article designates as, quote, drama addiction. This is from the article again, quote, the obvious answer is drama gets attention. However, it is more than that. Drama causes the pituitary gland in the hypothalamus to secrete endorphins, which are pain suppressing and pleasure inducing compounds, which heroin and other opiates mimic. Hence, drama eases the anxiety of wanting more attention than you are getting. Naturally, since drama uses the same mechanisms in the brain as opiates, people can easily become addicted to drama. Like any addiction, you build up a tolerance that continuously requires more to get the same neurochemical effect. In the case of drama, that means you need more and more crises to get the same thrill. So this is pretty fascinating when considering someone like Takashi 69 but also just goes a long way in explaining some of those freak shows in our day-to-day lives and social media feeds that are so obviously drama addicts. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And I mean, especially if it's been coming from a young age, you've got to do it more and more just mm-hmm. trying to meet those same kind of levels that you were getting at a younger age. We saw it in high school, the kids who yeah. would yell out and try and get the jokes, you know, when mm-hmm. you were like, shut the fuck up, man, like yeah. one time school. Really yeah. got to do it like 12 times, like every class. Well, and it makes sense from a neglect standpoint because they literally are just being ignored constantly. So mm-hmm. they have to do outlandish things at their home to get someone to even just notice them. Even negative attention is yeah. more attention than none. Right. Yeah, it's better I mean, than it's, nothing. It's the old saying, what is it? The opposite of love isn't hate. It's an indifference. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was reading that and I was like, oh, and I started applying that to all sorts of people I've known throughout my life. There and I'm you like, go. Wow, dude, I feel like they just unlocked all sorts of stuff. And think about it. The guy that we know that dropped out and went to prison. Mm-hmm. God. Hey. Dad was gone. Mother was never home. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. shaved his head into mohawks and did all just yeah. insane shit all the time. No and attention. Yeah, no and attention. So he was just really screaming for attention. Yeah. yeah. He just needed a hug. It's true. Next time on Dr. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Next time Dr. On Randy. Dr. Randy. Dr. Randy's there. <laughs> How many times have you listened to an episode and thought, man, I wish they would have said this? Well, now with our interactive social media pages, you can. Let us know what you think about our show subjects and give us your scores. We'd love to hear from you. Well, most of you at least. Let's dive back into the action. But Daniel's wild clothing style, perhaps predicated on his need for attention, actually starts to pay off when, in 2012, he meets Peter Righteous P. Rogers while working at a vegan bodega in Bushwick. Ah, Righteous P. Righteous P. at the <laughs> vegan bodega. Yeah. <laughs> it's the standard shit. Well, that's what happens when you eat vegan. You have Righteous P. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. Rogers was the head of the Hikari Ultra record label, and he suggested that Daniel should get into rapping, mostly because he had the style and image for it. Apparently, Daniel had never really considered rapping up until this point. Quote, I didn't really want to be a rapper or whatever. He told the, uh, there was a podcast called No Jumper. He said, I just thought of making music because everybody was like, you look mad cool, which I'm like, who's telling you that? But hey, <laughs> obviously I'm not in the demographic. My seven-year-old cousin yeah. <laughs> said that I looked really cool. And it's arguable that this is where Daniel Hernandez, poor kid from Bushwick, starts to reverse engineer himself into Takashi 69 controversial global rap star. He begins using social media to create a buzz for himself, mostly due to his wild looks and behavior. He adopts 69 as his official theme, 
tattooing it on his fucking face as well as 200 more times across his body, which speaks volumes about his mental maturity at this point, obviously. I was about to say, that was a nice eighth grade joke we uh, used to lay down. Anytime the word 69 came up, you're like, uh, 69. <laughs> it's uh. funny that you brought that up because I, I was about to say, do you remember the kid in school who discovered 69 and made it a big part of his personality? <laughs> I remember a kid that we went to school with in eighth grade <laughs> who wore a 69 shirt, a 69 necklace, and bragged about his mom buying him a shower curtain that had 69 all over it. Which is pretty fucking weird on its own. A mom buying a sexually charged shower curtain for her son, but <laughs> whatever. Epilogue to that story, that kid grew up to be a cop who posts all type of tough guy sheepdog and punisher cop stuff on Facebook. He grew up to be a cop, so eternally he remains a nerd. Well, Takashi grew up to be a snitch for the cops, you That's know, right. so or an informant. So there you go. And sixty nine is so overrated. I mean, you gotta have man. the right height between the two parties. <laughs> if one, if usually the girl's shorter, so it's like you're jamming your neck up, or it usually just doesn't work out very well. No, it's good in theory, but then practical application, it's just really. Are you guys talking about like stand up 69? Because I've never even attempted that. No, shit. no, the lay down 69. Oh, Maybe yeah. in eighth grade when the girls are as tall as the guys, it might work out. I mean, you may I don't know too many eighth graders that are, well, I mean. <laughs> I should hope not. Yeah, man, I am like pretty a pretty private person, so I don't want to get into the sixty nine too much. But I have heard the same thing recently, where people were like, "Yeah, it's pretty overrated." I was like, "I mean, it's not the best thing in the world, but I don't like." Yeah, it's there. I feel like that's thing. something that you do in like maybe like your early twenties or something, or like late teens more so than. It's, you know, it's almost on. like a checkbox. It's a high risk maneuver. <laughs> it's like doing a hoovy juice off the top ropes. You're like, let's just give this a shot. You know what I'm saying? Uh, all right. That's good. All right. So now we are all, <laughs> now I'm getting middle pictures. <laughs> middle pictures now. Uh, social media is what makes Takashi 69. He uses it to create his villain persona and broadcast his exploits as a street urchin, a self-described quote, scumbag persona. All right, so that makes sense, because I heard I was, like, buddy, listening to some of this jackass's music this week, and he keeps yelling, scumbag, mm-hmm. scumbag, and I'm like, all right, I, I I agree. It's scum gang, and scum stands for... Super cool utility, man, is what I'm going to go with. Scum stands for... It, it was the gang that they, like, him and maybe two other people started. Pretty big gang. Yeah, well, that's his whole life. It's like you guys want to start a- like usually too deep, and then it always reverts <laughs> right? back to just him. Uh, you guys want to start a gang right now? <laughs> we are, you are a gang. We are the gang. The gang. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, scum stands for society can't understand me. Oh, it's so, so deep. Lame. That's fucking. There's lame. a great subreddit called "I'm 14 and this is deep." <laughs> <laughs> Belongs right there. Society can't understand me, man. Dude, you're choosing to do that. You're attention-seeking whore. That's that's the reality of it. But uh, social media is also what first lands Takashi 69 into pretty serious hot water. See, in March 2015, Takashi meets a man at a recording studio who he said seemed to, quote, have a lot of money. This man invites Takashi back to a gathering in Harlem. At this gathering, there's a girl that is engaging in sex acts with numerous men, and it's all being recorded. Takashi mugs for the camera and touches the girl. He was like standing behind her, making thrusting things and slapping her butt, apparently. Yep. How old was she, Mike? Trouble is, that girl was 13 at the time. Yeah. There it is. And he was posting these videos all over social Instagram. media. Instagram. There it is. Yeah. Instagram. I have to make a side note here and say, what the fuck is up with our pedophilia subjects on this show lately? 
Yeah, we have been going on a little bit of a uh, run on them lately. And you don't hear much about this story, but this is, I mean... It's a battle that he fought for a long time, and a lot of people on the internet, if they hated him, that was their you know slur that they threw it's at him. Pretty good one, yeah. yeah of course, <laughs> yeah. Well deserved. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he was seventeen at the time, though. But still, well, no, he said oh, he was seventeen. He said he was seventeen. He was eighteen, and so I'm I'm on the fence on this one, in a sense that like a he didn't engage in any actual sexual acts with this girl. He claims or claimed to the police that she had said that she was 19 at the time. Dude. It's a bad I, look, dude. It's a very fucking bad look. When we were 18, there was no way we didn't know any girl that wasn't 13. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's, no, I, I don't care. 13-year-olds do not look 19. That's a new generation, though. I mean, they are starting to look a lot older than they are. I, I remember very explicitly when I was waiting tables back in the day that this mom and her daughter came in and they sat down and they sat her in my section. And there was a dude that was another waiter, and he was just notorious for being like, oh, I love chicks, blah, blah, blah. And this girl was, you know, she was cute or whatever. I was up there just talking, and then I was, like, talking to her and her mom. So this other waiter comes over and starts talking, like, literally interrupts my, like, here's what the appetizers are. <laughs> and the mom was just like, do you know how old she is? And the guy was like, I I, I don't know. He was like, 18, 19? She was like, she's, she's 13, 13 years old. And I was like, Yikes. get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck away from me. First of all, entirely unprofessional. Second of all, yeah, she's 13, homie. Yeah, Ruby Tuesdays. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we went Shout to school out. with a chick that's all into the pageant life, and like her daughter is all in the beauty pageants and shit, and she puts pictures on Facebook of her daughter, and I'm like, God almighty, she looks 18, 19, 20 yep. years old, and she is maybe 12 or 13. Yeah, yeah but, but that's I, like a professional done-up job, though. Yeah. Like, and also filters, I think, play a little bit yeah. of a role in that as well. They can't. I'm not giving this guy a pass, except for the fact to say that, like, you know, he didn't... Oh, no actually, pass given. Yeah, he, no. he didn't sleep with this girl. He didn't do he anything. Ogled her titties posting. and shit. Yeah. yeah still yeah. posting that on No, I agree. Yeah, don't get me man. wrong. Don't. I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that one. It would be... But it would be significantly worse if he had actually engaged in, like, some sort of sex act with her aside. Like Righteous P did. He probably grabbed some ass. Was it Righteous P? I don't know if it was Righteous P, some other guy. Stinky P was the one that was... Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like I said, in, in an official statement he made to police, he said that he believed the girl to be 19 years old. I don't know how true that is, whatever. But he goes to court for the incident where he made a plea deal to stay out of trouble for two years, get his GED, attend therapy, and avoid posting any sexual or violent images on social media. That same year... He and his girlfriend bring a child into the world. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. He has yeah. a kid? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's they, terrible. So, yeah, anyways, him and his girlfriend have a, a kid, and they name this child Roy G. Biv. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm, Roya G. Biv? I'm kidding. It's actually a girl, and her name was Soraya. Uh, anyway, at this point, Takashi does a pretty good job of staying out of trouble, choosing to focus his attention on his music with a fair amount of success. He did everything asked of him, well, except for the GED thing, because in a later court hearing, it was revealed that Hernandez had failed his GED test. Mm. Womp, womp, womp. And I am not one to make fun of people for making attempts at tests or not being that bright. But bro, if you fail a fucking GED test, 
Dude, they were making fun of it on Shameless, and that whole family in Shameless is just a train wreck. Yeah. And the youngest daughter had to take it, and she was like, yeah, that was so easy. I only got four questions wrong. And they were like, oh, wow, congratulations. Yeah. Well, it goes back to what you said earlier. He's a moron. It's true. Yeah. He's not bright. But whatever. I mean, you don't actually need to have like a PhD to be a rapper, I suppose. That's but, been I mean, proven. He's a dumbass who made millions and millions of dollars, so I mean- Who's the dumbass, I guess? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what we always talk about. I think that, uh, especially here in the U.S., people equate wealth to intelligence. It's just like, a, they're like, well, he's fucking made a ton of money, so he's got to be a genius. Like, sometimes <laughs> you just fall into some shit, man. You know, if you're born into it, then yeah, you don't have to be smart. Or sometimes you just figure out one little trick and it works out well. And I think that's the case with him. Yeah, case in point right here. Yeah. Eventually, he caught the attention of another rapper named Trippy Red who uh, collaborated with Takashi and introduced him to Elliot Grange, who was the founder of a Los Angeles-based label called 10K Projects. You know who Elliot Grange's dad is? No clue. Uh-huh. Lucian Grange, and he's the CEO of Universal Music Group. Oh. Oh. Yeah. There it is. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Perfect That's sense. why Elliot has all that clout. Clout. Yeah. I hate that word. It is a bad word. I agree. Yeah, it's uh, going to be coming back up again and again on this episode. Man, but yeah, that makes part. We were just talking about that. Like, you'd be born into money. Well, there you go. There's <laughs> there you your go, fucking right answer, there. man. But Takashi retains an experienced manager and an entertainment lawyer. The same is now dead rapper Extentacion, himself a giant asshole that we may do a show on. So I remember when I did uh, the R. Kelly show, mm-hmm. he got banned from Spotify as well as R. Kelly. What did he do? He did some shit where he, from what I remember reading or whatever, was that he had a girl that was like pregnant and he beat her ass really, really bad. And like I read the police report on it and it was fucking horrific. Like he ended up sticking a grill, like a steak skewer into her vagina or some shit like that. Yeah, it was it was really, really fucking bad. And then like when he got killed. All of a sudden, everybody was like coming out of the woodwork being like, oh, his music is so amazing. First of all, it wasn't that amazing. Second of all, the guy was a fucking asshole. And he definitely beat the shit out of the shit, like like held her hostage. There was all sorts of shit there. Like I said, we may do a show on this guy eventually, but just suffice it to say, this guy fucking sucked. Yeah, sounds like it. Takashi signs a distribution deal with 10K Projects, and he actually tours Eastern Europe where his YouTube videos had made him like a regional star. Think the David Hasselhoff of rap. He's huge in Germany. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Slovakia. He's really yeah. big. Yes, yeah, so I think they were saying a lot of his first albums were released through a Slovakian label. Yeah, yeah, like they, that. yeah. He ended up like partnering up with some of the biggest guys over in Slovakia. Yeah, like some of the biggest Instagram stars over there. Which makes sense because if you ever actually look at like the thing that Eastern Europe has, it's almost better than anywhere else is internet speed and connection and cheap internet access. And we could get into this for days. I don't know exactly why this occurred, but they have amazing. That's why most like hackers and stuff like that are coming oh, out yeah. of Europe, Eastern yeah. Europe. They're, they are internet savvy. Wow. Like if you want to read about, I don't know if it's Slovakia or Estonia, but they're like going to be the first country that has literally all documentation like online entirely where you don't have a driver's license or whatever. You just, everything's online and it's and the taxes are all done like immediately. It's actually really fucking cool. Wow. Yeah. And it makes me angry when I pay my fucking internet bill every month to know that these guys are getting like three times the speed that I'm getting for literally a tenth of the cost. Right. Right. And if you've never listened to uh, Serbian Turbo Folk... Do yes. yourself a favor. Yep. And go on YouTube and look up Serbian Turbo yeah. Folk. Go to YouTube. Didn't you used to work with that guy? 
No, no. no. Uh, Serbian turbo folk is a genre of music, which is like uh, a Serbian folk music that's put to like techno beats. It is literally the worst genre of music that has ever been created. It sounds like a real exciting part of Mario Brothers or Zelda. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's what it sounds uh, like, yeah. They all ride like dirt bikes and then like listen to Serbian turbo folk. So any of our Serbian folks that are out there, you can uh, send us death threats because we made fun of your music. But anyways, had Takashi stayed on this track he'd likely be in a very different situation than he is today. But he didn't. Instead, following his Eastern European tour, he returns to Brooklyn and struck up a relationship with a guy named Kifano Shoddy Jordan. Was Kifano a producer? A promoter? Sort of. He produced multiple schemes to make money in an illegal fashion, and he definitely promoted his brand, The Bloods. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yep, he was a local gang leader. The Nine Trey Gangster Bloods, to be precise. Okay. They actually have their own Wikipedia page, which I found hilarious. <laughs> According to said Wikipedia page, quote, The gang was established in 1993 at the Rikers Island Jail Complex in New York City. The gang initially sold various narcotics, including heroin, crack cocaine, and PCP throughout Harlem. They based their drug selling business in uninhabited buildings in the vicinity of Lenox Avenue. Disadvantaged people, including the homeless, Prostitutes and children were allegedly used to sell the narcotics for the gang. End quote. So this is who Six Nine comes back and is like, I want to partner up with that guy. Correct. That's right. Now, it might seem crazy to get affiliated with a criminal enterprise when you're already seeing some level of success, and that's because it totally is. But that being said, this collaboration does serve a purpose, albeit a dumb one. See, as the New York Times stated in an article on Takashi, quote, Shoddy and his gang affiliations offered Takashi street cred that he desired, and he offered them a vessel for income. And arguably, the blood affiliation offered Takashi his first breakout event, with Shoddy incorporating numerous members of his gang into what would become the viral hit music video for the track Gummo. Now, I'm a huge fan of hip-hop, but admittedly never gave Takashi any time at all because, well, like I said... I hate his fucking face (laughs) and I can sniff out a gimmick. So doing the research for the show, I decided to finally, you know, take a sneak peek at Gummo. And here are some quick notes that I made while watching the video. There's a pretty heavy gangster aesthetic. There's a large number of gang members dancing to the beat on the quintessential Bushwick Brownstone stoop. Yep. There are some cool gang handshakes, some complicated gang signs being thrown up. A lot of red bandanas being waved around in various ways. In fact, there's a grandma that is gifted with a Bloods bandana, and she seems to really appreciate it. I saw that. Yeah. 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 There's a guy brandishing a gun that looks like it either belongs in an episode of Kojak or could easily be used as a starter pistol for a high school track meet in a pinch. <laughs> Shit is like a beat up old 32 snub nose. It's hilarious. And Takashi talks constantly about the blicky which, after an Urban Dictionary trip, I discovered is a slang word for a pistol. So, there's also a lot of pretty cool gangster dancing, and some of these dudes would probably be pretty great at limbo, considering their impressive ability to get low. So, is this the (laughs) video where he's riding on the roller coaster on the cell phone? No. No, this one is is like, just straight up there on a... Like well, I watched stoop. it. I watched a couple of them. I just couldn't remember if that was the one or not. No, this is the one where he like literally for the video, he went out to a liquor store, bought some liquor, 
and bought like 50 red bandanas and just went back and started like passing them out. Like there was already bloods there, but he was like passing them all out. Mm -hmm. Now he's not wearing a red bandana in this one because he wasn't a blood at the time, Mm -hmm. but he's got it in his hand and he's kind of like waving it around and stuff like that. Yeah. But you know, he was passing them out and I think that's how the grandma ended up getting one as well. Yeah. She was really stoked about it. It was great. It was kind of (laughs) endearing. I was like, yeah, grandma blood. Honorary memory. Yeah, there's a, a actually a shot of Takashi wrapping in front of an SUV that has about 25 pounds of weed laid out in bags on the hood, and Takashi's hoisting it over his shoulder like he's going to work in a mine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they must have put that weed up at some point because the NYPD does make an appearance, but I don't see anybody get arrested. So you know, good on them. Hey, it's pretty much a paint by numbers setup for a hardcore rap video. Nothing special. Nothing horrible. To be honest, I didn't hate it. Like, I was like, I mean, I didn't love it. It's not like something I would be like, oh, hell yeah. But I also do get pretty hype about fucking Fossey Beats and shit like that where they have like 40 dudes. That are, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't help it. You're like, yeah, hell yeah. I mean, it was very uh, reminiscent of almost like from back in our day, the Rough Riders. With yeah, the, like yeah. either Rough Riders, you know, all going around or Master P and all them getting, yeah. you know, or through one Onyx, of them. Slam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. It, 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 it'll get you hype. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he says some shit. There was actually even a, one line in there that was kind of cool and I don't remember it was, so it wasn't that cool but uh, I but like, i mean it's, it's the recipe that it was used on us to get all hyped up mm-hmm. and into the music and i mean it's basically anything that's going to get teenagers all pumped up about something is you have a bunch of gang members around with drugs and guns yeah. and you know it, i mean i'm almost 40 years old and i still get hyped as fuck to mop's annie up you know what i'm saying <laughs> <Annie up. laughs> dude you see the crowd there they're like man they better beat the fuck out of somebody <laughs> Says a lot about me as a person, I think. I don't know. As an adult, <laughs> middle management getting hyped and fucking some fucking posse cut. You know what I'm saying? As I go to my middle management job. Yeah, exactly. Do you have a show subject you think would be a great fit for Asshole Court? Hit us up on any of our social media pages and let us know. As you know, we're full of good ideas and some say full of other stuff. But we'd love to hear your ideas as well. Give us a shout and maybe your subject will wind up in our courtroom. We'll definitely give you a shout out. Now, let's dive back into the courtroom. The video ultimately garners over 300 million views on YouTube. Yeah, it blew the fuck up. Yeah. And with Shoddy as his de facto manager, Takashi moves from charging like $1,000 a show to $100,000 for show appearances. Jeez, man. Yeah. Countless hip-hop blogs start following his exploits on social media, debating the legitimacy of his gang affiliations, discussing his charge for the interaction with the 13-year-old girl, and of course, they get into the detailed analysis of his style and general aesthetic. Now, this is interesting, too, because I think this is where he really starts dropping the N-word a lot. But he's a remember, lot. God, he definitely does, but he's a Mexican lot. dropping the N-word a lot in front of a bunch of bloods like yeah well remember no issues there? he like, was wearing and before it all this happened he was wearing the shirt and he but had no, it was pussy eater not no 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 go look back at that because the pants say the n-word really hard and oh. then he had another one on his back that said the n-word three times on the back and then there were little white crosses all around it how does he get a pass for all this he did i don't know i don't know even on the breakfast club. Yeah. And he's like sitting there just chilling with them, dropping it left and right. Yeah. And they're like, cool. Like, Why can't we say that word? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can try it. <laughs> I don't want to say apparently, it. I'm just curious. How is uh, he getting the pass? Apparently he tried it and then was like, all right, they didn't fucking beat me up this time. 
But anyways, the controversies garnered attention and the attention garnered listeners and the listeners garnered mainstream adoption with major rap stars reaching out to collaborate with him. And it sort of cycled through like that. He just built himself up doing that. So, yeah, you can say whatever you want about him, but the approach was highly effective. Takashi landed 10 singles on the Billboard Hot 100 without ever even hiring a publicist. That's insane. Yeah. It just shows how dumb people are, honestly. Oh, yeah, it sucks. Certainly. Yeah. It does. It hurts. It does hurt. Again, remember how much I hate people. <laughs> <laughs> a complete misanthrope, dude. People fucking suck. Myself included. I'm not leaving myself out of that. I'm part of the problem, too. It's a wide net. Yeah, yeah. Self-hating. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, reaction to have hate, hate, hate. <laughs> Uh, but like I said, trouble is, like most people know from watching mafia movies by now, that when you partner with a violent criminal organization, they tend to not be the most honest or most understanding business partners around. You don't say. No. That's right. And their predilection for violence in the face of adversity created a real problem for the other wing of Takashi's business team, the much more legitimate 10K projects, his record label. I just want to pause here to note, like, what a pain in the ass it has to be to be a record executive overseeing someone like Takashi. Like, the money's good, but at what point are you like, this shit's just not even worth it? There you are, in your nice office overlooking L.A., trying to convince some tattoo-faced, rainbow-bright-looking motherfucker to chill out with a gang-affiliated crime <laughs> shit because they don't need it to make their career anymore. Then you go home to your wife and kids who, you know, you just fucking picked up from a prestigious private school, khakis and sweater vests. Seriously, go look at a picture of Elliot Grange on Google right now and tell me I'm not right. Right. That yeah. guy, can you imagine this guy having a fucking meeting with Takashi 69 <laughs> and a bunch of dudes from the fucking Nine Trey Bloods? But it happened. Yeah. You know, interestingly enough for Elliot on this, I think he just let him go. Like in that sense, he was like, look, you just release whatever songs you want. You do whatever you want. I'm your label, but go do your thing and i'm just gonna take it all the way to the bank that's what it got him there to that point right it's it's true it's true but make no mistakes takashi was doing some very real gang shit at this point right? oh yeah absolutely new york prosecutors would claim that it was around this time that takashi was with shoddy the dude from you know the leader from the mm -hmm. fucking nine trays when the nine trays committed an armed robbery near the port authority bus station in manhattan and they also claimed that Takashi was involved somehow in two shootings in Brooklyn later that summer. So Takashi wasn't listening to his label head, apparently, at this yeah, point. Yeah, no. But then something else occurred, which forced his hand. On the same day that he released his most successful single to date, Fifi, with Nicki Minaj, which is objectively horrible, by the way. Oh, God, A video with a lot of suggestive ice cream eating and popsicle eating and shout outs for Treyway! Takashi was actually kidnapped on his way home from the video shoot and robbed of his jewelry. Yeah, he was. Takashi said that his escape from the situation was due to, quote, divine intervention. He was praying to God the whole time, right? That's right. Jesus Christ himself wanted more videos of old Rainbow King slurping down ice cream and talking about <laughs> pussy popping. He does work in mysterious ways after all. Oh, what's that favorite passage of his? Oh, yeah, Psalm 121 or whatever, yeah. Psalm 69, 420. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was eventually discovered that the person responsible for the kidnapping and chain snatching was none other than a Treyway associate. Yeah, I think I was Harv, like his manager before Shoddy. Yeah. So basically, like the way that the Hulu documentary kind of portrayed it, it was that Daniel lost his stepfather at 13 
And then Harv kind of stepped in into that kind of father figure role for him. And But once he wanted to move on from that, he got with Shoddy. Shoddy started to kind of fill into that father figure mm-hmm. role with him. Unfortunately, Shoddy was affiliated with Bloods, and he, he was just all in with him at that point. Yeah. You know, so... Side note, if you ever work with people named Harv and Shoddy, it's probably time to quit your job. <laughs> I was about to say, find a new line of work, yeah. yeah. Still, Takashi continued to rep the gang, posting frequently about other rap rivals and daring them to, quote, test his gangster. And apparently some of them were listening because Takashi had two music video sets that got shot up. Oh, really? Yeah, he was uh, calling out Chief Keef who is a legitimate fucking gangster. Well, and this guy, I mean, looking at him, his stature, he's 5'7 and a buck 30, it looks like. Yeah. If you put away the guns and just fist fought that guy. Oh, yeah. I mean. Yeah, and I've said he has a dad bod at like 20 years old. You know what I'm <laughs> I was and like, he also had people going after Trippy Red as well. He like, did. He absolutely did, which is real fucked up because that Trippy Red was who sort of like plugged him in. But then Trippy had to disassociate himself from him with, man, I can't be fucking with that pedophile shit so uh gotta drop you cuz and i think that's when he started sending people after him but basically having like gang wars or gang over social media too yeah exactly which is crazy social media yeah what a bunch of fucking idiots yeah i mean honestly like hey the fbi has never been more happy to have (laughs) facebook and instagram and shit like this you're like okay uh it's real easy to make a case of this it's really easy to follow like the equivalent of people that are trying to chase down people with fucking cars like repo men you know what i'm saying yeah they uh they set up i I believe the new york police specifically set up stuff like after biggie was shot and started like it was like called like the rap department Mm -hmm. or the rap gang (laughs) i'm in the rap department (laughs) i'm the head of the rap department but uh yeah so they were able to like get wiretaps and all this stuff on all that stuff but they didn't even need it for their stuff for the most part it was all on social media there it's so fucking crazy this dude literally posted a sex act with well not his sex act but a sex act with a 13 year old and then was posting all sorts of fucking gang shit and stuff like that i mean it's just it's ridiculous dude Um, not the brightest crayon in the box the GED. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> he was eating all the crayons in the box. That's, that's yeah. right. But perhaps it was these incidents, along with the kidnapping and the robbery, that made Takashi want to step away from his gang ties. Something else occurred, too. Around this time, Takashi had to go back in front of the courts to decide whether all of his antics had violated the terms of his plea agreement for the interaction with the 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. Ultimately, <laughs> I, I, I Open agree. And shut case, Johnson. I agree, but ultimately, the judge decided that it did not, which is like Randy just said, it's pretty fucking crazy to be honest. Yeah. But whatever, the judge also told Takashi to stay away from known gang members. And that night, Takashi and people from his record label went out to celebrate at a fine dining restaurant in Manhattan. Sparks Steakhouse. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Back to our John Gotti episode. That's right. Shoddy and some other Treyway gang members felt the invitation was also extended to them. (laughs) But it wasn't. (laughs) Spoiler alert. You're not allowed. You're known gang members. They were gang members after all, and the head of the 10K projects, you know, Elliot Grange, was content to keep his cash cow out of prison for the plea agreement violation. A scuffle broke out between Treyway members and security for 10K, which ended in one of the Treyway members being shot and arrested. Imagine getting getting shot and then getting arrested. Jesus Christ. Jeez. Worst night ever. 
Uh, and unsurprisingly, that was about the end of the friendly relationship between Takashi and the nine trade gangster bloods. Takashi made the split official when he went on to the Breakfast Club later, I think later that week, and explained that he had fired every member of his team except for Elliot Grange and that it was mostly about money. Oh, yeah, and there was also the whole kidnapping and robbery thing, too. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, devil's in the details. That's right. If that wasn't enough of a declaration, Takashi made a live post on Instagram that next day in which he loudly yelled, Fuck Treyway! <laughs> they can suck my dick! You're yeah. asking for it at that point. Yeah. You definitely are asking yeah. for it. I yeah. mean, literally, like, the day that he got kidnapped, if you go back and, like, I recommend watching Fifi just because... You know, if you just hate yourself, some point of reference, yeah, some point of reference, and they're even Nicki Minaj is shouting Treyway. Oh yikes! Yeah, obviously the violent and criminal organization wasn't too pleased about this and planned to retaliate in some way because, well, they're violent and they're criminal. <laughs> Shocker! Yeah, and it was around the same time that the FBI approached Takashi and was all like, "Um, you probably want us to help you because that gang you used to hang out with." Well, we picked up some wiretaps where they're talking about super violating you for your transgressions. It was the rap department. I'm telling you. That's right. It was the rap department. I just imagine a guy named Frank. Yeah. Frank from the NYPD. I'm head of the rap department, see? (laughs) Frank Tribbiani. I got all these uh, wiretaps, you see? Yeah. It was Tom Hanks' character in Catch Me If You Can. (laughs) Knock, knock. And he had a social media. tell you a joke? Yeah, Yeah, he had a social media account that made him out to be like some gangbanger wannabe yeah. but it's really frank tribbiani yeah he's like, scrolling, ah. scrolling the text you see he's listen to me here takashi thing is <laughs> takashi and that <laughs> takashi <laughs> takashi six nine his little trilby on and everything like that <laughs> but that was actually the language that they keyed in on was quote super violate and the fbi assumed that super violate probably meant death in a pretty violent and horrific manner for takashi i'm envisioning like super violate would be like Butthole fisting yes, or something. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, well, it was, that's a super violate. It was Harv and Shoddy talking together, and Shoddy was like, I'm going to take care of him. Yeah. I'm going like, to violate his asshole. Uh, I'm going to take care of it. That motherfucker was going to get tortured. Not Dude. just killed, but tortured. That's Harv why- was pissed off because he was owed like over a hundred grand. Shoddy was pissed off because he had just got kicked to the curb. And uh, yeah, they were like, yeah, we're going to go handle business. Like, we're going to cut his hair and dye it normal color. We're going to have a bunch of tattoo removal services That's come it. in. We're going to put him in a suit. Yeah. We're going to make him go get a job. And like, you know, we're going to put him in some khakis and make him work at the Gap. <laughs> Dude, but no, for real, like, I, like they, no joke. Like, they're not fucking around. Like, this killing somebody and then like torturing somebody that's the thing that scares me dude like for real like uh you know getting murdered or whatever mob style get shot in the head you're like that sucks but it's pretty much like lights out but like mexican cartel style where they Mm. like saw your limbs off and shit like that yeah Yeah. i don't want anything to do with that when i was watching the um college cheating scandal thing on netflix Mm -hmm. and the fbi agent was like you would be shocked at what people will say over the phone when they don't realize that the government's listening to them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and that was just Rick Singer catching some money to get some fucking privileged white yeah. kids into colleges, not yeah. Frank out. Tribbiani <laughs> in the rat department. Ah, he said Takashi's going to get his asshole blown out by like four studs. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, <laughs> that's just what his porn was that Frank was watching. <laughs> He said, oh, Mandingo porn. (laughs) Mandingo porn. (laughs) He said, ah, they're going to watch you. (laughs) They're going to watch you get your wife fucked. (laughs) We've gotten into that, Frank. (laughs) 
Oh, man. But yeah, so the FBI offered him protection. But it wasn't just that they were trying to be nice or that they were concerned for Takashi's safety. Nope. They had actually been working on a case against the nine trade gangsters for like a couple years at that point. And they made the assumption that the rift between Takashi and the gang could offer them an opportunity to turn Takashi State's witness on the gang. Yep. Well, they bet right. And they leaned on Takashi pretty hard. Remember all that stuff about the armed robbery by the Port Authority and the two shootings in Brooklyn? Well, they pretty much told Takashi that they were planning to charge him with all that stuff, but could help him out with sentencing if he cooperated with the larger investigation. And although Takashi turned down the protection, he did ultimately agree to cooperate. Yeah, he was looking at like 68 years or something So one like of the that. shootings was involving Chief Keefe, right? I know the rumor was that Chief Keefe was involved in like... He was the target. The people that had shot up uh, the the um, the video shoots, but I don't know. Do you know something? Okay, yeah. So apparently Chief Keefe was the target of one of these shootings. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. from what I read, said that Takashi paid one of his associates $20,000. Oh, yeah. He was like, I got 30 large on it. Yeah. He was making social media videos saying that he had 30 large on it. And Takashi was in L.A. when the shooting occurred in New York, mm-hmm. but they pretty much tied it together pretty easily because he put it in writing on yeah. the internet. Um, Genius. Yeah, that he was going to pay a guy. And it turned out straight up dumb and dumber moment. The guy went to shoot him and missed. And shot shot a bunch of times. I think he was in a hotel. Uh, Missed. Completely whiffed on the shooting of Chief Keefe. And uh, that was that. Harry, you're alive. (laughs) You're (laughs) You're a horrible horrible shot. Love it. (laughs) Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. I I mean, it's just... it's. Almost exceptional how stupid they are, dude. I'm telling well, I you. Mean, these are teenagers again, basically, at the end of the day. I mean, like, or he is, you know, like yeah. running around with a bunch of bloods and yeah, pocket full of money, yeah. you know, access to whatever you want. Yeah. Tenth Rainbow grade education. Teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, his music sucks, but I'm going to give a shout out to Chief Keith for my favorite track of the last month was just shit I don't like. <laughs> it's <laughs> a banger. It. <laughs> it's the shit I don't like. <laughs> it's pretty hype, dude. I listened to it while, uh, or I was singing it in my head while me and Randy were playing golf a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I, nice. I've never felt so out of place ever. Right. Like I was like, the country <laughs> club hitting the links. <laughs> shit I don't like. <laughs> That's awesome. It is fantastic. You guys know what Keith is? I know you do, buddy. Yes, of course. So yeah. Keith is like the crystallized residue oh, yeah, off yeah. a really good weed. Yeah. yeah. That's when right. Your grinder should have a little catcher department yeah. underneath it and yeah. catches all the Keith. All the Keith. It. Yeah. Chief Keith was a is a pretty hardcore legitimate dude from South Chicago. I thought he was Native American. <laughs> <laughs> Chief Keith? I mean Chief smoke a lot. Yeah. Chief Keith. In September of 2019, Takashi took the stand as a state's witness, tattoo face and all, and in a suit, which is just a hilarious juxtaposition of styles, to be honest. Like, if you look at the picture... <laughs> I know, it's rough, dude. <laughs> dude. He's got, like, a pretty decent suit on, and he just tattooed the fuck up on his face. You're like... It's like some dude overdressing for a job at 7-Eleven. <laughs> like a job Dress interview. for the job you want, That's not it. for the job you I want to be a regional manager of 7-Eleven. Good old snitch nine. And the suit it's always got to be like one to two sizes too big. Yeah. You know? yeah they don't yeah. quite fit correctly. Yeah. Most times. I yeah. didn't see. His suit wasn't too oversized. It wasn't too 90-ish friend style suit. It, but it was, yeah. <laughs> it was just funny because you're like, he's got his shit up, his rainbow man bun going on, tattooed face, and then like a decent suit. But on the stand, he relayed in great detail the inner workings and hierarchy of the nine trade gangster bloods. From a New York Times write-up on the testimony, quote, The contrast between the boisterous rapper seen on social media and the man on the stand was stark. 
Mr. Hernandez was relaxed, sometimes leaning against the judge's dais, and he walked the jury through gang life. He embraced Nine Trey in 2017, he said, after the gang helped propel his multi-platinum breakout single, Gummo. The music video for that track, which featured members of Nine Trey, went viral instantly. Takashi said, quote, I knew the formula was to repeat it, the gang image, like promote it. He sketched out Nine Trey's hierarchy in detail in court, listing its leadership by name. He paused frequently to translate street slang for the jury and described several of the gang's attacks at length, including one instance in which they stalked and assaulted another rapper, Trippy Red, who we just talked about. Yep. Good old snitch nine. Yeah. He went on to detail how his kidnapping had been the result of him pushing back on being extorted by the gang. He also dropped the word that both Cardi B, who we did a show on, and if you haven't heard that yet, go back and listen to that, and Jim Jones, who we also did a show on, but this is the rapper in that context, not the cult leader who we did a, a show on, were both members of the Nine Trays. So I love that we're getting a shout out from uh, Takashi on our shows of Cardi B and Jim, and Jones. Jim Jones. So Cardi B <laughs> supposedly in the Nine Trays? Yeah, that's what he was saying. Oh, huh, interesting. Yeah. The internet and the hip-hop world absolutely exploded. Takashi was understandably labeled a snitch. Artists like Snoop Dogg, Future, and Lil Dirt, who I don't know who that is. I know Snoop Dogg and Future, but uh, I don't big know Lil Dirt. Big Dirt, son. <laughs> That's Big Dirt. <laughs> they shared memes and pointed words denouncing 6 9 as a snitch with Meek Mill, who I also know, uh, writing, quote, message of the day, don't be an internet gangster. Be yeah. yourself. Ultimately, his testimony was enough to get him a reduced sentence but he still had to face a judge. And during his trial, Hernandez, Takashi 69, was forced to admit to multiple incidents of domestic violence and even sexual assault of former girlfriends. All right, I'm glad you're going to get into this because yes. I was going to bring it up. If, yeah, uh, that's it. Yeah. 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 Sarah Molina, the former girlfriend and mother to his child, talked about one beating in Dubai that left her face so swollen that she, quote, could barely open my eyes. I saw the pictures from this, and it's pretty nasty. Yeah. Mm. It's not great. And he admitted to it. I mean, he was just like, yeah, yeah I, I did that. She said that he did it all the time. Years. Yeah. Years yeah, of he just abuse. He didn't yeah. know how to deal with his anger. Yeah. In another incident, Melina claims that Takashi beat her ruthlessly in front of their child. Another time, she said that he struck her so hard in the ear that she thought she was deaf. Jesus. And this is where I really draw the line on my asshole score with Takashi 69 Daniel Hernandez. I understand the allure of presenting a gangster lifestyle to promote a hip-hop career. I understand the need to be provocative to get attention as an artist or whatever. I would never do it, but I get it. I even understand the revenge move he pulled on the Nine Trey gangsters. They'd extorted him and fucking kidnapped him. It shouldn't be all that shocking that he turned state's evidence on them. Not a smart move, perhaps, but not, like, unfathomable. But when it comes to savagely beating the women in your life, especially the mother of your child... Really, just any woman in general. Any woman in general. I'd like to see uh, career day at his kid's school. Oh, like, man. What does your dad do? And they, He's a snitch. Yeah, he's a snitch. <laughs> and here he comes. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're like, is that fucking Rainbow Bright walking yeah. through? Yeah. yeah. But like I said, I I mean, beating up women, I, do, I, I cannot abide by that shit, my dude. No excuses. You should know better than that. Yeah. A positive male role model could and should have demonstrated that, but that's no excuse. You can't beat up chicks, dude. Speaking of male role models, it was at the conclusion of his criminal hearing that a ghost from Takashi's past appeared. Diddy. Yep. His biological Diddy father. popped up in the courtroom. Yep. That's right. His biological father. 
apparently Daniel Takashi 138. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> apparently Daniel Senior Takashi 138 wanted to plead for leniency for his son. Takashi Daniel Junior didn't notice his father for most of the hearing, but when he finally spotted him during his statement to the court, he broke down in tears and had to pause his statement. He finally said, quote, I see my biological father. I haven't seen him since third grade. I don't even know if this is a fucking joke. Everything I go through. Yeah, he's like, I don't even know if this is real life anymore. Mm-hmm. And just seeing pictures of Takashi pre-tattoos and hair, I imagine his dad, to quote Joe Dirt, kind of looked like Richard Ramirez, you know, the Night Stalker. <laughs> That's what I kind of envisioned is that, you know, Hispanic kind of mm-hmm. dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I saw the pictures of his dad, and, you know... Did it look like look, Richard Ramirez? Uh, it looks like Takashi, you mm. know? So. Yeah. Definitely. Richard Ramirez had a more aquiline nose. Takashi has a fuller nose, and his dad so also So more like the drawing of Joe Dirt's mom. Yes, yes. Yeah. I would say so. Yes. More of a pig nose. Okay. <laughs> his father raised his hand in an attempt to speak to the court for his son, but was shut down by the judge who stated, quote, it's way too late to show up and speak on his behalf. You squandered that right many years ago. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Takashi was sentenced to two years in prison, but got out earlier than that. He released an album in 2020 titled, wait for it, Tattletales. Tattletales. <laughs> it did not sell well at all. Dude, he I'm looked- just kidding. It debuted at number four on the U.S. Billboard 200 with 53,000 album equivalent units in its first week, becoming the rapper's third top ten album. And he's all by himself now, right? He, he has no more affiliations. Akon uh, produced this album. Yeah, I thought I heard Akon yeah. on one of his songs. Akon was, was on some of the songs he produced it, which is just sort of a savvy move on Akon's part because he's like, they're going to buy this first album when he gets yeah. out of prison. He probably sounded like a one-year deal like the Patriots did or whatever with Tom Brady. And then they were like, oh, we probably want to keep this guy around for a minute. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, after he put that album out, it blows up again. He's still making money, all the things he's done. Uh, but just one month after the album's release, Takashi was hospitalized for an OD. You guys want to guess what the OD was? Heroin. Hair dye. It was two hydroxy-cut diet pills with the McDonald's and McCafe coffee. <laughs> what? <laughs> Ah! Are you serious? Are you kidding me? God. Hang on. I'm joking. Hydroxy cut coffee? <laughs> Two hydroxy cuts and, and not just a coffee in McDonald's McCafe. Oh my God. Wow. Wow. Yes. Geez. I can do that standing on my head. <laughs> <laughs> and that is Takashi 69. Wow. My boys. Wow. Wow. Went out with a bang. Yeah. Expecting that <laughs> yeah. one. Gangster as fuck. <laughs> Hydroxy cut in the McCafe. The McCafe bang. That's it. All right. Final scores. Let's do it. All right. Um, shit. All right. So, <laughs> honestly, I knew a good bit of what we talked about today. Kind of revisiting the fact that he beat the shit out of his girlfriend for, like, damn near a decade. I think it was, like, seven years or something yeah, like that. Yeah. There was a lot of bad stuff. There was actually one abuse. that, when I was reading, I couldn't, and this is horrible, but I couldn't help but laugh because he had punched her and like it, so the braid it, stuck in her hair no yeah it was it was her hair extension clip stuck into her head and then she said i was leaking blood <laughs> like oh. i was like what are you a can oh. <laughs> like that's what you do yeah. you just bleed i i was bleeding was bleeding i was leaking blood <laughs> she's like a high performance machine you made me bleed my own <laughs> my- blood <laughs> Uh, but yeah, going back to what I was 
I originally scored him at. I was a little low. The women beating, the fact that he chose to bring a child into the world, and we didn't hear anything about the kid. So I would hope and pray that the kid at least has some semblance of guidance and, and normalcy. normalcy in their life. But judging what we know off of how he's lived his life, I kind of doubt that may be the case. No, I actually did hear that uh, his girlfriend moved out of New York, or at least out of Brooklyn, uh-huh. uh, out of the Five Boroughs area, and she kind of wanted to get away from all of that well, yeah and for the daughter's sake and okay. you know that kind of factors into my score a little bit because she was saying that takashi is just a piece of shit he would always be like i want to be you know whenever he's talking to a judge or whenever he's in trouble stuff like that he's like i gotta be there for my daughter and i you know but she was like he's the most absentee father there ever was yeah, yeah will, will smith's dad from fresh prince yeah 100 yeah, yeah, allude to there earlier so um final score again this fucking guy just irritates the fuck out of me. Snitch beats women. 7.69. Got it in. Oh, I got it in. Oh, nice, Randall. 7.69. All right, yeah, everything that he did. I mean, like, I don't mind that he was using social media to try and propel his career forward. Uh, he was very smart in that sense, and I think that's probably the only area in his life that he was smart because every other decision he made was uh, shitty. You didn't think those HIV t-shirts were a good marketing yeah. tool? They were. That, they, <laughs> so yeah. started that, that launched his career in a sense, you know. But, I mean, it was all from a scream of attention standpoint. Yeah, but, look at Jonathan Davis from Corn. Remember he had all the HIV stuff? And they were like, when we were younger, we were like, he's got AIDS. And they, <laughs> <laughs> they got us talking about it. So Yeah, so he's only 23 years old. You know, I we made a bunch of fucking dumb decisions in that. 16 to 23 year old who us nah Nah, not us but on one hand i gotta weigh a score a little bit based on that but at the same time man he was putting hits out on instagram he was putting children on instagram that you know like for the pedophilia stuff he was hitting his girlfriend his, his baby mama he was you know all the time he would use his daughter just as a as a prop to try and gain sympathy from the courts and it worked from time to time yeah, I, I got to step it up a little bit. I had him originally at a 6.9. My final asshole score for Takashi 6.9 is going to be, I'm I'm going to give him an 8.0. Whoa. 8.0, all yeah. right. That's up in murder territory right there. He was putting out hits, you know? I mean, Unsuccessful hits. Yeah. That was the <laughs> the trigger man's fault at the That's end of true. the day, you know? Yeah, I mean, valid Perry! <laughs> You're alive! He was putting out You're 30 large on Chief Keefe. Man, that's a yeah, that's true. So I agree with everything that uh, you guys both just said. Uh, obviously, he's a piece of shit. He's not a normal person. He's not going to fall anywhere in the range of three to four. And uh, part of me feels a modicum of sympathy considering his situation with seeing his stepfather murdered and sending him off into a fucking downward spiral. But opposite that, you know, there's no excuse for beating the fuck out of, of women and stuff like that. So it sort of like levels itself out for me. Like, I mean, he sucks. He's shitty. And, and you know, even the situation that he had with like snitching is like, all right, it's, it's shitty to snitch. You know, you choose that lifestyle. You shouldn't really do that. It might have saved him like 45 years in prison. Yes. Just a side note. He was well, 66 at, years in prison. Yeah. Okay. I thought he was facing like 47 years no, or something like that. It was like, like 68 I, years he was facing. And I'm going to like look at that outside of like a game theory analysis and say like, yeah, okay, cool. You, know, you want to save your time. But really like he made a horrible decision at 
very young, 20 years old, to get involved with some fucking gang that absolutely extorted him. Yeah, there's no way around point. it. Like he was, he was they using were taking them. They his were money. using him. You yeah. know, so they, I mean, they made him to some extent, but they also were taking some of his money, and then they fucking kidnapped him, ripped his fucking chains off, stole all that shit just to prove a point. I, I mean, like, like I said, you know, you choose that lifestyle. So snitching, I, I sort of get that mentality. Like snitches get stitches and shit, shit like that. But like, I'm not gonna score them higher points for snitching because Jesus Christ. I mean, it's a dumb move because they'll probably try to kill you eventually. But I mean, it's not like uh, it's a huge morality issue. Like they were fucking stealing your shit the whole time. You were like an abused person in that relationship financially. And he was gravitating towards somebody that was like a father figure to him because he was missing that. Very good point. You yes. know, so most most gangs, their recruitment comes they prey from, on that. They yeah, prey on right. people that don't have that situation. So for me, I would actually have taken some points off for those situations and understanding that. But the violence that he committed against his girlfriend and against women in general, and we didn't even get into uh, like the argument about that he sexually assaulted her as well mm-hmm. one day is going to like bump that back up, which ultimately sort of levels me out and is going to leave me close to where I left him initially with a 6.9, but I'm going to put him at a 7. All right. With a 7.69 from Randy, a 7.0 from Mikey, and an 8.0 from Buddy, Takashi 69s final asshole score is a 7.56. Okay. All right. Sounds about right. There yeah. it is. Good stuff. All right. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Asshole Court. We have got an awesome new social media manager. If you don't already follow us on all of our social media platforms, please go ahead and press like and give us a follow. Lots of content, lots of really cool stuff coming out every single week, multiple posts per week. The Twitter is alive, so uh, definitely give us a shout. Follow up on all the social media platforms. You're going to see a lot of reaction, a lot more good stuff in general coming from that direction. So again, be friendly to each other, and we'll see you next time on Asshole Court. That's the shit I don't like. (laughs) 